invite you to remain standing for the reading of our scripture today. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its enslavement to decay, and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together as it suffers together the pains of labor. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what, already, for what one already sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And God, who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, in this moment, I ask that you open our hearts and minds to the message that you would like us to hear, and that I not get in the way. Amen. Good morning, and thank you for being here today on this Youth Sunday. My name is Meredith Gadbury. I'm a youth here at Pulaski Heights, and this church has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. I've grown up here. I went to daycare here when I was in preschool. I got my first Bible here when I was in the third grade and learned to read it and I was confirmed and baptized here when I was in the sixth grade. This church has been an influential and transformative part of my life, and I know that I wouldn't be who I am today without it. In fact, I love this church so much that my first board of stewards meeting is this week, and I'm actually excited for it. <laughs> Another way that I've showed my love of this church is even at school. This year, I was given the opportunity in one of my classes to conduct research on any topic of my choosing, and I chose to research the United Methodist Church in Arkansas. For once, I was actually excited to do my homework, which is something that doesn't happen often as a junior. <laughs> but I sat down and was interested in what I would find. Unfortunately, I slowed down pretty soon after. The first paper that I read for that project was one that told the story of the future of the church. And the story that it told was about death. Because young people do not care about the church, because young people don't want to invest in it, and because young people don't belong here, the church is dying. Met with those words, I struggled to continue this research, thinking that there was no point in finding out anything about a church that would be gone in my future. I struggled to imagine what my future would look like without the church. As someone who usually would say that I have no idea what my future is going to look like, I thought that I would be able to say that the church would be a part of it. I was scared of the ways that the church might change. Even if it was a part of my life, it wouldn't look different, or it would look different from the ways that I've known it as I've grown up. That left me feeling hopeless and scared of change that might come in my life. In fact, I really don't like change normally. If you were to rank me on a scale from change's biggest fan to change's biggest hater, I would definitely end up closer to the hating side. But I think that that's normal. 
if I asked anyone in this room, I don't think I would get an answer from someone who says they love change, and I think most people would say that they don't even like it. That's part of human nature, and it's been that way for thousands of years. The people who our scripture was written to today also feared change. These Romans had been exiled from their home because of their Jewish heritage, and after many years living in diaspora without their community to rely on, they had finally been able to return. Instead of coming back to the place that they knew and loved, the place that they were familiar with, the place that they had heard stories of their whole lives, they came back to a place that felt different. In their absence, their church and their community of believers had continued to grow and evolve to meet the context of the people it was serving. And those changes meant that these Romans who were returning didn't know how they fit into the world, and they didn't know how they would take their next steps there. Unfortunately, that feeling is something that we feel today as well. When I read that story, I was reminded of my homecoming to this place after COVID. During that time, I spent a lot of time alone and feeling like I would never find a group of people to belong with again. I wasn't going to school and I wasn't going to church. And even though I was involved in soccer, I often left feeling like I didn't belong there or I wasn't wanted. That time was difficult for me. And when I was finally told that I was going to be able to come back to church, I was thrilled. I was excited because this was the place where I knew how things worked, where I knew that I belonged, and where I knew that I was wanted. Despite that, when I came back, I realized that the church felt different. Just like the Romans church, Pulaski Heights had adapted to meet a new context of the world outside its walls. And it should. The church must change and evolve to meet what it needs to be doing, to better meet the needs of the world and to better meet the needs of the community that it serves. Despite that, I didn't enjoy those changes. Instead of coming back to a place that I knew and loved and was familiar with, I came back to a place that felt different and I started to panic. I started to ask questions like where, where are the people that I've grown up with my whole life who taught me how to tie my shoes? And why does sitting in the same pew that I've sat in Sunday mornings for my whole life feel different? And why does my youth group feel like a place that I don't belong? Those questions told a story of anxiety and fear. And I can imagine that a lot of you who were there during that time felt the same way. Because of retirements and reappointments, our pastoral staff also changed in that time. Instead of coming back to the pastors who had seen us through our highs and lows of our life, we came back to people who we had never met and who we had never seen work in the lives of our church. Because of the ways that we didn't know how these people would do the work of God, because we had never seen God do, the, God do God's work through them and in the ways that they would, we started to think that that might not ever happen. We started to fear that the church might not ever be able to continue its mission because it didn't look like the one that we left. Despite that, despite the fact that we were scared of a future that we didn't know what it looks like, I still had hope. And I think that the people of this church still had hope as well. When the Romans from this story felt the same way, asking questions like, what do we do now? And how do we continue to do the work of God? They wrote to Paul. And Paul responded not with simple platitudes or saying that it all gets better eventually. And you should have hope because things just work out. 
Instead, he reminded them of some very important truths. One, that when we suffer, we suffer together. In our pain, we are not alone. And that because of church, we can share that grief with those around us and feel comforted in the ways that we share in community with one another. He then reminded them that hope in what is seen is not hope. And that we hope when we hope for something that is unseen, we wait for it with patience. Paul is telling us that no one hopes for something that they know for sure is going to happen. Instead, we place our hopes on a thing, on a future, that we don't know what it will look like, but we still believe that it will be good. Lastly, Paul reminds the Romans that even when we are living in times that are changing and in times that we are at a loss for words because we don't know what is happening around us, the Spirit knows our hearts and the Spirit is moving in our lives. The last verse of the scripture reads, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. But it can be translated differently. Instead reading, in all things, God works for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. In all things, God works for good for those who love God. Instead of being told that all things will work themselves together, that small change in this sentence makes God the subject. God is the force in our lives that, have, that is active and loving and working for our good. God is the person doing the action that is bringing goodness into our lives. And because of that, our hopes are not this blind delusion and a future that will be perfect, but instead can rest on the work that God is doing in our lives now. Looking back now, it's easy for me to see that God was working in that time of struggle in my life. But then I didn't. I often questioned how God could work in my life when it felt so painful or if I would ever feel less alone. But over the course of a year and time spent with my church and community and a youth group that I thought that I didn't belong in, I realized that I did belong there and that the church that I'd grown up in was still one that I wanted to spend my life with. Over the course of that year and lots of little moments, I realized that the changes that I had been so scared of were actually God making room for people and new experiences in my life that would bring goodness and transformation to me. Those changes, without those changes, I never would have met my small group leader, Annalie McSpadden, who I now rely on as someone who I can look to for guidance anytime that I'm struggling or confused. Without those changes, I wouldn't have met Reverend Ellen Rowland, who can remind me that I'm good even when I question if I have anything of worth to give this world and this church. Without those changes, I wouldn't be inspired by the people around me in the ways that I am. I walk in discipleship with people who show up to church after eight hours of school and two hours of practice every night because they want to be at Bible study, learning and growing in their faith. I'm inspired by that every week, and because of them, I know that I can do that as well. Because of the way that young people in this church work and do the work of God, I know that there's a place for me to do that as well. God worked in the midst of one of the darkest places in my life to tell me that I belong here and I have people who love me. On our fall retreat last year, I realized 
that the small group that I was scared to get to know at first, who I was unfamiliar with and that I didn't recognize, were the people that I wanted to share all of the moments of my life with. They were the people who I wanted to reach out to when I felt like crying alone because I knew that they could cry together with me as we struggled together with our fears for the future. These were also the people who I wanted to reach out to in times of joy, when I was proud of myself or proud of them because I knew that we could celebrate together. This day has been one of monumentous joy in my life, not just because I'm standing up here, but because I've also gotten to see my peers and my friends do incredible things leading worship. I've been looking forward to this Sunday because of the ways that I knew that young people would show up to tell the congregation of this church that we love them and that we are thankful for them. God worked in my life through you to tell me that even when this church was changing and even when this church was, in, was being remade into a new, new and better version of itself, that there was still a place for me in that new and better version. The way that you have invested and loved young people in this church has brought us to a place where we want to continue to be a part of it, where the faith that we build here could last a lifetime. Because of that, this Sunday is not only a celebration of the ways that God works in the lives of young people, but also a celebration of the ways that God has worked in your lives to make young people people who want to be a part of this church, who care about it and are invested in it and belong here. So that when I'm told a story about the future of my life, about the future of my church that involves death, I can tell a different one one that involves new life, and a God that is working for me for good, no matter what. In all things, including my hopelessness, God is working to tell me that there's a future out there that I can't even imagine that is good and loving. But hope is not just a thing that we can rest our hope, that we can rest in. Hope is also an active force in our lives. Because we hope we are able to do the work of God in new and important ways. Because we hope, because we partake and interact in hope, we are able to do work that would have never been seen before. We are able to be a part of the work that God is doing in ways that, are, that had never been seen before. Hope is a force for change. And oftentimes, the changes that we are so scared of are often the changes that we are invited to be a part of. Changes that we are scared of are often the changes that other people are working in to do God's work. Our God is one that is endlessly faithful to us. Through highs and lows and in all of our darkest moments, we can rest in the fact that God is faithful to us and working for us. And because of that, we are asked to be hopeful in return, to have faith in a future of goodness because of the ways that we see God working in our present. To know that looking back on our past and seeing the ways that God's work has come to fruition in our present, we can believe that that work will continue to come to fruition in our future. The lives of young people in this church are numerous and complex. But because of the ways that you have loved us and invested in us in the past, we are also people who want to be a part of this church in the future, and who want to do the work of God in ways that no one has ever imagined before. Today, I stand here as someone who would never have imagined 
preaching from the pulpit coming back from COVID in eighth grade. But I also know that in my future, I could do this again because people have gone before me to make space for me in this place right here. I can continue to do work to make space for others who have been excluded from this place before. Because of the ways that God has worked in my life and in the lives of my peers, we are people who want to invest in the future of the church because we care about it and we want to continue to love it into being in the ways that you taught us. Hallelujah. Amen.